Here's a modern parable adapted from N.T. Wright. It had been a late night. The seven friends were excited. They discovered that they were all interested in gardens, interested to the point of being ready to give up the various jobs they currently had and work together on starting a new business. There wasn't a proper garden center for 20 miles in either direction. The question was, how are they gonna get started and who was gonna do what? Jarvis and Maya were natural leaders. They agreed they should coordinate the business together. Maya had contacts in the business world and she could work through strategy and talk through strategy with advisors while keeping an eye on the bigger picture. Jarvis had worked at a bank for 20 years and he would run the financial side. Meanwhile, Ken, who had never been able to look after his own money, let alone someone else's, was itching to start growing things, especially vegetables. And the group agreed he should look after vegetables. Rebecca had been a home gardener since she was a little girl and would look after flowers and shrubs. Thomas was a natural handyman who could fix a fence, a lawnmower, display cabinet, or a broken pipe. Lucy knew the area very well, and in a previous job, she learned the art of encouraging people to buy things they didn't know they needed. She would be in charge of sales and finding new business leads. Then there was Matthew. Awkward pause. What would he do? He wasn't particularly good with his hands, though he loved gardens and wanted to support the business like the others. He was everyone's best friend in the group, the one who made them all cheerful. Suddenly they realized he would be the key person in the main office, greeting people as they came in, organizing all the paperwork and files and writing reports. He would keep the customers happy and he would keep all of them happy as well. So the business was launched. See, God gives different people different gifts. Some people are natural born leaders, some are good teachers, and others are open-handed and generous. Now I can hear some of you think, if only it could work that well in the church, to which I would say, but it should. We're in the series, For Everyone Still, looking at the letter to the Christians in Rome. And part of the series has been focusing on two important filters and looking at this letter through two important filters. Number one, that the good news of Jesus is for everyone still. Because many people ask the questions, who is the church for? Who is the relationship with God for? Who is welcome to explore faith, religion, and the questions of life? We believe the answer is pretty clear. Jesus is for everyone. The second sort of filter that we're looking at is that Paul insists that Jesus is accessible for everyone. That Paul wrote this letter to the Christians in Rome, emphasizing the same theme over and over again. Because in his day, he was writing to a very diverse group of people, and he didn't want that group to become a group that would eventually exclude other people. So to quickly recap the series, the first week we said that the good news is for everyone still, if we will bring it. And we challenged those of us already following Jesus to share the good news of Jesus with others and with everyone through our words and our actions. And then we celebrate the fact that on that Sunday, four people believe that Jesus is for them by putting their trust in him. And then last week in week two, we answered the question, where is God at work right now? And the answer was that God is at work in everyone, that everyone's lives can be transformed by the renewing of their minds or by changing the way that we think, that God can change the way that we think. And so today we're gonna look at the issue and discuss the issue of everyone has gifts and a role to play. For some, it's to contribute to the mission of the church by sharing the good news of Jesus with everyone. For others, it's to demonstrate that God can use and redeem and recover every story, personality type, and background. And still for others, it's to show everyone that God loves and values and has a purpose for everyone. So sort of back to our opening illustration or parable, the church should really value and, and recognize all the different gifts from all the different people. Just like people should openly offer to use their gifts to serve. 
And that's where we come up a little with a little bit of a problem pops up. Because sometimes people are so convinced that they should do one thing when the people around them say that's not actually their gift. And still other times the church is blind or deaf or both to what God might be wanting to say or do through a people, through a certain group of people, because they don't value those certain gifts. And unfortunately, many more times, people and churches don't know who has which gifts or how to best utilize them. And unfortunately, to that last point, this is my first time as a pastor talking about spiritual gifts. And this is if this is your first time talking about the gifts that God gives, we want to walk through this together with you. If this isn't your first time talking about gifts, and maybe the previous time the church sort of made it a little bit strange and weird, I just want to say that I know sometimes the church can make things a little bit strange or a little bit weird. But we try really hard as a church to avoid unnecessarily, unnecessarily talking about things that are strange or weird, that sometimes cause people to not follow Jesus. I really have two goals in this series in talking about this. Number one is that I want to help everyone to know that God loves and values them enough to give them gifts. And then secondly, I want to help everyone discover and utilize those gifts. So would you spend 15 seconds right now asking God to show you the gifts that he has for you during our time together? And then would you spend the rest of the time listening to what he may say to you? We're in a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome. And these followers of Jesus in Rome were in an environment that was very anti-Jesus. So they couldn't be as open with sharing their faith as we might be today. So Paul wrote this letter to remind the people that Jesus is for everyone, even if their government isn't for everyone, and even if their government isn't for Jesus. We're gonna be in Romans chapter 12. If you wanna follow along in the Bible app, you can open that. You can also jump to the notes section of the chat, or you can also just follow along on the screen as well. Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verse three. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, Paul says, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you are, really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And Paul really starts with a principle that is really foundational for healthy relationships in community. And the basis for this principle and attitude is faith that can be for everyone, that this is accessible to everyone because it's through faith. And unlike the empire around them that evaluated people based on socioeconomic status, whether you were slave, free, or owner, whether you were a male or female, whether you were a citizen or not, whatever that might be, that was not the way that Paul says we should evaluate ourselves. And the self-assessment that Paul addresses here also does not mean evaluating ourselves against the subjective feelings we have or against the amount of self-confidence we might have at the time. N.T. Wright says this, being loved unconditionally by the creator God makes you quite special enough without imagining that your family membership or civic background can make you any more so. That the faith that Paul says we should measure ourselves by is how completely we're dependent on God. That's really the, the indicator of this faith. And when Paul says we shouldn't think a certain way, he's referencing back to the previous verse that says this in verse two, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think and be transformed by the renewing of your mind is another way to say it. And this is the verse that we talked about last week, that the renewing of our minds or the changing the way we think really can start with thinking rightly about ourselves. That's sort of where this whole thing starts. But beyond that, we're to measure ourselves in accordance with the faith that we have in God and our connection and our relationship with him. That it's not just like faith in ourselves, it's not even faith in faith, but faith in connection to God. Continuing on verse four, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. And when he says special, he means unique or different, that basically they don't all have the same 
function. And Paul's gonna use the imagery of the human body to sort of represent how a diverse variety of people can come together with a diverse set of talents and abilities. That these diverse gifts of everyone can play an important part in the community. Verse five, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. That Paul is sort of trying to continue to illustrate that in God's community, there is place for a place for toes and ears. That there's a place for hearts and brains. There's a place for hair and muscles. That we all belong to each other. That each body part functions um, in relation to one another, not independently of each other. That the diversity of gifts is not something that we need to overcome. Rather, it's something that God will leverage to help us to love everyone. It's not so that we can sort of move on our own, but again, it's sort of, so we can sort of move together to help more people to know him, which includes diverse groups of people. Joseph Colson gives this vivid quote. He says this, apart from the collective body and its personal or its other essential parts, individual members exist as dissected, grotesque, dead, and worthless body parts. That for the parts of the human body to work, they have to work together unified. For the parts of Christ's body, the church, to work, they have to work together unified. And as our minds are being able, are being renewed and we're able to actually do this, the church forms sort of a renewed humanity that speaks of the new life that we can demonstrate and model for the rest of the world. And this type of unity and the lessons that we learn from it are gonna speak incredibly to the world around us. Because no matter how different people are in personality, abilities, skills, talents, whatever, followers of Jesus, all followers of Jesus, share this one faith in Jesus. Verse six, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. That while there are many different kinds of gifts, they all come from one single grace. And again, we're sort of all united around this grace because it's accessible to everyone in the same way which is through Jesus. It's not through any other way, it's only through Jesus. So let me ask you a question. Would grace be for everyone if there was only one gift for doing one thing? Like not only would that be boring, but that would sort of exclude people who don't have that one talent or grace. And when he says gifts, he sort of is kind of combining an interesting phrase, grace gifts, that that's sort of the word he uses. It's grace gifts together, one idea that the gifts that we have are sometimes about our natural wiring or temperament or just kind of who we are, but they also include God's grace, which many times enhances the gifts and abilities that we already have. And sometimes it even provides brand new gifts. So let's get into the gifts and let's start with the one that's most misunderstood first, starting in verse six. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophecy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Many people think of prophesying more like a fortune teller, when in reality, it's probably more like being an activist. That prophesying is explaining scripture and the kingdom of God while you live in a different kingdom. It's also um, speaking the truth to speaking truth to power and sort of explaining and declaring what God is doing in the community. And sometimes it's talking about and explaining what the future might hold depending on the decisions of individuals and of the community. That speaking and declaring is really connected to God and it sort of comes with a big responsibility as Peter tells us. He says, speak as though God himself were speaking through you, which is a big, powerful thing to think about. And maybe the hardest part about the gift of prophesying 
is that it usually involves telling people something they don't want to hear, which is really difficult because nobody wants to hear things they don't want to hear, right? And if they were already thinking and doing things God's way, then they wouldn't need to be corrected. But Paul again sort of links this ability to having as much faith as God has given you, which is really to the extent to which you are depending on God, which doesn't mean that you can just get up and say the first thing that comes to your mind, right? The first thing that you think. That exercising gifts is really just like letting go and letting go of a whim or your feelings or just letting them take over. But utilizing gifts involves hard work. And many of the commentators in this passage sort of seem to indicate that this has a vibe of rolling up your sleeves and getting to work. And it's just like anything truly important. You just can't treat it like it's a hobby that you just do whenever you feel like it. That this is a calling, this is a divine opportunity. And as we're gonna see with the other gifts um, that God gives, the vast majority of times, the gift is not just standing up and telling people what you're saying or what you're thinking at that time. Continuing on verse seven, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. And serving is kind of an interesting word. It's usually the word ministry in a lot of contexts. But in American English, we sort of use the idea of ministry as exclusively a connotation of, of religion and of Christianity specifically. But in other parts of the world, this idea has a much broader sense of more general sense of it's a leader or a servant of some other department or various groups of departments. For instance, the word prime minister. In many countries, that means they are the prime servant or leader of their country. And because serving others is, is much more tangible in our minds than many of these other gifts, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. That doesn't mean it's not any less, or that means it's any less important. But serving others in this idea sort of has a variety of, of meanings to it. Basically, it can mean hospitality or entertaining and caring for guests. It can mean distributing food, assisting the poor, um, sharing the good news of Jesus, or also helping people to reconcile. Continuing on with verse 7. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. And because Paul includes teaching as a gift that comes from God, it sort of means that it's much bigger than just your education or your skill or your ability. It's much bigger than just your intelligence, you might say. And teaching can really include ethical guidance. It can also include just practical direction. It can also be faith instruction for kids, students, and adults. And it can also just include guiding people that are new to faith. And researchers seem to indicate that Paul probably didn't assume that this gift was referring to some um, educationally uh, trained elite group of teachers, probably because there was none of those in his audience at the time, right? He didn't have that quite in mind. But Paul says that this gift of teaching is for any gifted, mature leader. And there's sort of a tension though, because training usually does help you become a better teacher. And the ultimate example of sort of everything is Jesus, right? And many people refer to Jesus as the master teacher. And so we should look to Jesus for how to teach. And we should teach like, teach like Jesus that we teach everyone with dignity, respect, and love. And that we spend much time preparing and also practicing our teaching. That Jesus actually spent much of his early years practicing and preparing for becoming a, a better teacher. And that Luke says he actually was growing in wisdom and that helped him to be a better teacher. That teaching involves preparing, it involves learning for yourselves, preparing more, and then, and then being able to communicate as best as you possibly can. Continuing on verse eight. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. And the word that he uses for encouraging is sort of a similar word that's used to describe the Holy Spirit. It's to be a counselor or to be a helper. One commentator says encouraging is actually applying the good news of Jesus in your everyday life. That this isn't just some sort of soft encouragement as we sometimes might think of it. That John Wesley says, 
This is the special job of urging Christians to fulfill their duty as well as comforting them in trials. In other places, Paul uses this word to describe it as urging or pleading with people to live their lives as God desires. And this encouragement is not just a special task for the scriptures to encourage us or for the pastor to encourage us, but this is an invitation for everyone to encourage others with not just their words, but with their lives and with their examples. Um, It can also include empathizing with others and also motivating them. And as we've said recently, those of us who have been comforted or been encouraged, we now have the opportunity and the responsibility to comfort others or to encourage others similarly. Continuing on verse eight, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. That the word for giving really includes sharing one's resources with others. Now, sharing the resources can be intangible resources like a gift or sharing your time or your energy. And it can also include tangible resources like your money or your stuff or your food. But basically this idea is that um, to, to, to give is, is really open to everyone because everyone has resources. It's not just for those who have more resources, but for those who have any resources to share. That when Paul says give generously, it really means with sincerity or to imply that basically you shouldn't have any ulterior motives or another purpose behind your giving. And some of you know that God has given you resources and that you know that God wants you to share those resources with others, that that's the gift that God has given you. Verse eight, continuing on. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. Because leadership is really the responsibility to care for and lead other people. It's not necessarily to move or to push other people, but to sort of invite them into a journey. And as you hopefully believe about leadership, it's not just standing up in front of people and giving directions, but again, rather it's usually a model for people to follow. And in Paul's context and in his mind, he probably didn't have in mind um, sort of the, the way that we appoint leaders and the way that we elect leaders in our day, mostly because that didn't happen in the same formality in his day that it does now. And it's, it's likely that he was thinking of anyone with the giftedness of leadership that would sort of just rise to the top when the situation warranted. And when he says take responsibility seriously, that also sort of means zeal or with diligence or with eagerness to the people, the tasks, and the decisions that you are going to lead. Continuing on, wrapping up verse 8. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God is giving you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. That basically showing kindness is leveraging who you are for someone else. That Paul says you need to loan them your strength. That when someone was kind to you, that's probably what they did. They used their experience, their time, their resources, something that they had all of who they were for you. And they probably didn't have to, which is probably why, again, Paul reminds us to do it gladly. Because this is a privilege. It's not a burden. This is an opportunity to serve and show mercy to someone else in kindness. And many speculate that this specific gift takes the form of caring for the sick or the poor, the seniors and the disabled. Basically, those on the margins who potentially could be overlooked. But again, Jesus is for everyone, so everyone should be cared for and shown kindness. And because we have seen received kindness and mercy from God, we have the opportunity to then share that kindness and mercy with others. So everyone has gifts and a role to play. So what are your gifts and are you playing the role that you are intended to? So we've basically found an assessment that we think could be helpful. It's an online tool that we would love to share with you that really helps everyone sort of identify their own 
spiritual gifts. It's a video that actually includes 44 different statements, one at a time, that you evaluate yourself and how likely or how accurately that describes you. And you record the number on a sheet and uh, sort of calculate your results of which gift you might have. If you need some help with that, we would encourage all of you to go ahead and do that. And the link you'll see to that is on the screen right now. And you can take that assessment, you can watch that video, and we would encourage you all to do that again. But we'd also encourage all of you to share the results with us because we would love to help connect you with the right opportunity for the gift that you have. And we really think that we can do that. And that's really what our purpose as a church is, is to help equip people and provide people the opportunity to serve, whether that's with us or maybe out of the church in the community. So um, you can email that to us at hello at nlnc.org. So as we wrap up our time together today, Joseph Colson says this, he says, the earliest church, the poor, powerless, relatively uneducated church, humbly and effectively ministered to the human needs of its day and the strength they knew was not their own. Which sort of prompts me to ask some questions of us today and our opportunity and our time that we're in right now. Do we imagine that our affluent, powerful, privileged generation can serve effectively through our own human ability and strategies alone? Like, do we think we can do it just by ourselves? Do we imagine that the gifts that we have are of our own creation? Because I think some of us do, and if we're not careful, we all can go down that road. Lastly, do we imagine that these gifts are only to make us comfortable in a suffering world? Because right now we have an amazing opportunity to use the gifts that God has given us to help hurting people all around us. They're, they're not far to find. It's not hard to find people that are hurting right now. And you have a gift and everyone has a gift and a role to play. So what are your gifts? Do you know what they are? We'd encourage you to take the assessment. And if you know what your gifts are, are you using them? Are you playing the role that you're designed to play? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for um, being able to read these words and to sort of challenge us and to maybe for some of us discover who it is that you've made us to be, the gifts that you've given us to have. Maybe for some of us, you've enhanced the gifts that we already have. And for others, maybe you've given us brand new gifts that we aren't sure how to use. But most importantly, would you help everyone watching this right now to know that you love us enough that you would give us a gift and that you want to give us purpose and meaning in our life by helping us to use that gift to help other people. So God, would you help us to know what our gifts are? Would you help us to take this assessment? Would you help us to share it with other people, share the results with other people? And then God, would you give us the courage to actually go and do it and to use our gifts in a way that would serve other people? Thank you for this opportunity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.